Hi, this is Pamela Adlon, and you're listening to Radio 8 Ball with Andras Jones. Give us a shake. Give us a shake. Give us a shake. Welcome back to Radio 8 Ball. I'm your host, Andras Jones, and this is the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting these randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions, like picking musical tarot cards. We're here with All Day Sucker. Hi, Amari. Hi, Amari. And they are providing the oracle fodder for our musical divinations here, and we are joined on the line by a man who bears the name of a restaurant and... uh, performance venue we've been talking quite a bit about during this show, a place called Cantor's, and we are joined by Mark Cantor himself. Woo! Welcome to Radio 8 Ball. Yeah. How are you doing? Glad to be here. It's great to have you here. Now, uh, you you have been playing host to these guys in the Kibitz Room for decades now. Yeah, since about 1990, 1991 yep. in that area. That is just incredible. And uh, Cantor's and and obviously Cantor's is where you grew up. It's your, it's your home. It's your business. It's it's everything, right? Yeah, I, I'm third generation uh, Cantor family. My grandfather started it in 1924 in Jersey City, moved to Boyle Heights, East LA, in 1931, and in 1948 they kind of moved west this way onto Fairfax, and they've been here ever since. So when when did it when did Cantor's uh, like land at Fairfax? What, what year was that? 1948, uh, we are just up the street where Supreme Skate Shop is now. And uh, five years later, we moved into the Esquire Theater at 419 North Fairfax. And that's why when you see the marquee canners, you notice it looks like a movie theater. Oh, I did not know that. That's pretty awesome. And since then, and so uh, if you don't mind asking, like, how, when were you born? Like, when in this whole history did you come into the picture? I was born... I was born with the parking lot. <laughs> no, the parking lot came in 1965, and so did I. Excellent. So, um, yeah, 1953, we moved into the Esquire Theater. 1958 or 1959, we took over the North Room, which is connected to the Kibitz Room. And 1961, the bar opened. And um, 1965, the parking lot came with me. And have you been... Then they put you to work right then, 1965. They were like, you get behind the counter and start handing out pickles? Or like, when did you start working for Cantor's? I started working at Cantor's when I was 17 in 1982, while I was still in high school, the summer of the 11th grade. Wow. But I hung out here as a kid. I used to fold boxes for the bakery when I was like, you know, 10 or 11. And my dad would give me like 10 bucks and we'd go up to Los Angeles Lanes. 
there's a bowling alley. Um, there's a drugstore now there. It's right, it's right on Santa Monica and La Cienega. Uh, and I played pinball all day long with that, with that roller quarters. <laughs> so uh, we're going to get to your question for the Pop Oracle. But before we do, is there any particular, like, Cantor's memory that you have that you'd like to share? Something that you just think, wow, I can't believe that happened here. Well, there's thousands of memories, but there's not there's not really one uh, that, that stands out. But it, it, sometimes we say only at Canters, where else can this happen? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I just work and, and get things done and, and and move on to the next day. It's hard for me to think about what a specific incident took place. But uh, I mean, there's, here, I'll, I'll give you something that uh, Neil Young uh, used to be our Uber driver in 1966, if that makes any sense, <laughs> uh, indirectly. He drove a Hearst and um, when he moved here from Canada, and he was taxiing uh, patrons from Canada's Deli to the Sunset Strip for a dollar a ride. Uh, so there's a story. And I'll give you one more. Frank Zappa used to come uh, with a couple friends and start a table, eventually leave. They'd come back the next day, and the table would still be going. So... There's just there's two for you right there. Those are great. Right. That's great. So uh, so Mark, what is your question for the Pop Oracle? Okay. Um, what is the question? Are we going to go to war with North Korea? Are we going to go to war with North Korea? Now this is a question I can relate to. It's dark. It's not a happy question. None of this goofy, frivolous stuff. Let's get down to some something that everyone can relate to. Okay, because that would affect everything. So, now to engage the Pop Oracle, on your behalf, Mark, I'm going to have Morty pick a card, any card. Pick a card, any card. Pick a card. And the song is Heavy Weather. Heavy Weather. <clears throat> so you think a life made a beeline right past you. And you think a life had the last laugh at you too. Well, there ain't much I can do except for spending my two cents. You ain't gonna leave even if I ask you You come to a city where a face is bought and sold You took a walk through the streets Although the altar prayed and go You can all take another card of fold If you're not that bold or bitter like in for the heavy weather And maybe overnight Mr. Wright is gonna solve life's mysteries Someday your prince will come So you can get up off your knees But if you think Prince Charming's gonna come Kiss it and make it Listen, you're putting all your money in a hole and 
a hunch, oh lady, like a sucker punch you uh, every time you let up. Yeah, it looks like you're in for the heavy weather. And Jerry is my weatherman. was heavy weather from all day sucker the answer to mark Cantor's question will we be going to war with north korea <laughs> oh god I know. That, that, is, that doesn't sound very promising <laughs> <laughs> i mean maybe if you're like uh halliburton if you're, if you're gonna be selling the, the bombs it's good for them heavy weather you that it's is halliburton <laughs> that is something okay so uh well let's Let's maybe find, see, maybe there's a, a silver lining in this storm cloud. Um, Jordan, Morty, whatever you, one of you like to tell us about where the song came from? Uh, okay, you go, Jordy. Go, Jordan. This song uh, dates back to our old band, The Imposters. When we first wrote it, we were in our 20s. We played it Somebody's at the Kibitz Room at Canners probably umpteen times. Yep. Umpteen, um, umpteen and a half. Umpteen and a half times. And... Um, it's it's just kind of like a it's an old chestnut for us and it's really about a lot like you know Mark is steeped also in the um uh you know all the uh, uh lore the, the lore yeah. thank you <laughs> thank you use your much. words for guns and roses <laughs> and you know it reminds me of a little bit of our version of uh welcome to the jungle where the person comes from out of town comes to LA and uh you know, is welcoming with Morty. Welcome them to the jungle. Really, it's yeah. A- and uh, uh, Jordan and I were born in Hollywood at the same hospital, and we Mark might have been born there also. I'm We're not sure. Uh, Cedars of Lebanon, and uh, 
Is that where you were born, Mark? I don't know. <laughs> he was a baby then. <laughs> we uh, and we were born in Hollywood, and and we've seen so many people that are transplants that come here. And it was a little bit of advice. And what's wild is the way the title came to me. I I'd never heard the phrase that I knew of. This is the only time this this subconscious has ever happened to me. Was I was sleeping. And there was terrible storm going on. And somebody went to a window and said, it looks like we have some heavy weather. I don't remember ever hearing that phrase ever. Years later, I found out it's a real thing. And in fact, um, a weather report has an album called Heavy Weather. Never, I'd never heard that. And I thought, what a great thing. Jordan had a melody. He had a, a piano part that was like Leon Russell. And I thought, well, what would be... I was actually working at Damiano's at the time across the street from Canners. And I said, what would be... A great, you know, well, it looks like we're in for the heavy weather. I was in a Leon Russell thing, and I started with that, and then we kind of, you know, it became what it is, and it's an advice song to those people that sort of come to Los Angeles and are like, why haven't I made it, and why haven't I? But to make it connect to the North Korea thing, I think, is, <laughs> other than that, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? But uh, it was, <laughs> I think. I think it's, you know, I, I don't I, I think I'm hoping just like here that, you know, we can send Dennis Rodman over and he can bring with him some of the uh, some of his patience as a virtue over there. And, you know, or somebody that somebody can transplant over there. Well, I'm sorry, but your song has a line that addresses uh -oh. that. Uh -oh. If you think Prince Charming's or Prince Rodman's going to come and kiss it and make it better. Sorry, man. You're in for the heavy weather. Yeah, it's yeah. get up off your knees. Yeah, he's not gonna he's not gonna change any anyone's mind. The only way the only way this is gonna work is somebody somebody assassinates him, and that's it. Which so one assassinates <laughs> Dennis Rodman? <laughs> Dennis Rodman, Donald Trump, or King Kim Jong Un? Kim. I think Kim. Yeah. 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 He's got it. Yeah, Dennis Rodman. That's not gonna change anything. Even Donald Trump. That's not gonna change anything. The only thing that's gonna change anything is, is that nut. Is that nut? That's true. Uh, that's the biggest set of all the nuts. That that's the one that that's that that one is really out there. And I know a set of nuts when I've seen them on your chin. Um. Well, just not gonna let you. Just, you're just not gonna let this show be as dark and depressing <laughs> sorry, as I sorry. want it to be. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm Why sorry. do you insist on making the show entertaining and funny? That's not what the audience tunes in for. They want darkness. Well, then I'm 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 not concerned. Maybe I'm a, maybe I'm absurdly optimistic. Yeah, I feel just like when I give advice in these songs to usually women or something of sort of saying, "Hey, you know, get up. You know, you might be better served doing something else." I feel similarly with the North Korea thing. It's such a bizarre. It's such a big concept to me. I really can't get my head around that idea that there's mm. like. There's a nuclear power or, or whatever, you know, a potentially nuclear power that is almost a comic book angry. You know, that's almost a comic book villain where we are right now. It's are so, you talking about America or are you talking about North I'm Korea? I'm talking about both right <laughs> now. It literally is <laughs> like it's literally like a rogues gallery cartoon of like a Dick Tracy cartoon of what American presidents would look like and what this, you know, this other would right. look like both arguing with each other. I mean, Team America has happened in like the most bizarre way goodstein do you have david do you have a yeah i'm not worried about it at all i don't think kim is suicidal i don't think he wants to die 
His biggest benefactor is China. They would have a big problem if he attacked the United States. He's looking to secure uh, the longevity of his regime and to keep us from doing anything. And the best way to do that is to have nuclear weapons. And when I was a kid and when I was in high school, there was another adversary that had 10,000 nuclear weapons pointed at every city in this country. And we managed to get through that. So we'll be okay. Well, that's, that's, I agree. That's some some optimism. I like that. I feel better now. Well, but so, so let me let me just let, let's let's just bring this back here. So, but I, one of the things about this format about Radio Eight Ball, the format, is it it's kind of a misnomer when I say that we answer questions. What we really do it it reflects on the state of mind of the, like where the question comes from, and. Just like growing up through those times, even though we never had a nuclear po- a nuclear apocalypse, I had hundreds of personal like nightmares or fears. Like I lived through the nuclear apocalypse in my mind from the time I was like 12 years old until like the end of the Cold War, right? And then we got to stop worrying about it, even though there were st- all the nuclear weapons were out there. We weren't really actually any safer after the end of the Cold War because we survived the Cold War. And so there's something about this is like we are all thinking about this. This is not the you're not the first person on Radio 8 Ball to ask a question about nuclear annihilation. I think you're like the fourth. We've done four shows now and you're the fourth question about a nuclear about nuclear annihilation so it's something that's on our mind and i think it's like it's the heavy weather the heavy psychic weather that we're in where we're all having to think about this again um now be, be, before we wrap this up i want to bring it back to you mark having heard all of that uh is there anything that any insight you get or any uh thoughts you have about how that question how that song answered your question well, if you eat a corned beef roux, then yes. it, will, it will all go. It will all go away, and everything will be good. That is, that's very. <laughs> no, I don't know. It no, it. I mean, because this the song. Okay, the heavy weather, the whole thing. Whether there's nuclear war or not, just just what's going on is a, you could call it heavy weather. I mean, yeah. look at the tornado, look at the the hurricanes that, that keep coming, and uh, you know everything that happened in Texas, and all of a sudden we forgot about Texas, and now we're worried about Florida. So there's there is heavy weather actually going around, and, and it, 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 there's just a lot going on right now. So and just... bringing it back to where you start, I mean, I, when you were talking about Cantor's beginning in 1948, uh, that was coming out of some serious heavy. Like when you said that year, I was like, wow. That's a that's a was an intense an interesting year to be a Jew in America to be you know in like we were all shell shocked from coming through some serious heavy weather and uh, and yet we survived and we got Israel well in forty eight you had 48. to op- you had to open up that wound okay well it's forty eight forty eight was yeah. what I was ratifying said forty eight yeah it's true without it's true. it I wouldn't be here that's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, especially as a Jewish person that grew up, I, I've been going to Cantor's since I was, I've been going to Cantor's since literally I was in my mother's stomach. My parents used to go there. I think it's eat. a womb. I think it's she was, you were in the womb. It's, no, you, actually, no, no, in she his case, me. it was her <laughs> stomach. <laughs> she ate me. Morty, the first place your dad came to when he landed off the plane from Israel was Cantor's. Yes, you know that? that is true. Yeah. He, my dad came, my dad came from Israel, went to New York, Ellis Island. And when he came to Los Angeles, he first ate at Canners. That was, uh, yeah, that was. Uh, that's one of my. It's part of my legacy, and it's. I'm. 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 I'm incredibly proud with the Fockers, the Friends of Canners Kibitz Room, since Mark sort of put us in there on Tuesday in October of '91. I mean, it'll be our 26th year this year, 27th year, 
uh, or whatever it is. Uh, I'm honored to sort of be ubiquitous with that sort of stoop right in front of Kibitz all these years. I mean, it's been it's it's a huge part of not just our life as guys who played there as friends of Canner's Kibitz Room, but of really all the kids that grew up going there and that being one of their first cool nightlife things. I, I pump into people all the time who are now in their 30s who go, the first place I went was when, you know, you guys, either we played with the Fockers or I spun there with some of the other guys on WrestleMania on Tuesdays and DJed there. Those are like the first places a lot of people have. And now Fairfax is a thriving youth-oriented street again. All It's almost as crazy as it was in the 60s for, and the 80s and the 90s with all the new skateboard culture places around there. And Cantor's is still the venerable, you know, war horse that's holding, it's the anchor that's holding that street down. And you know what, I just... Uh, it all depends who you ask, because if you see some old Jews that happen to come by every now and then, they say, so, when, when did the hoodlums take over Fairfax? <laughs> <laughs> and you'd say 1961. <laughs> 1948. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 uh, we, we got to wrap this up, but I just think it's interesting, Morty, that your song is about someone who uh, arrives on the strip or yeah. arrives on Can at Canners as a new person, and that's basically a song to your dad. Uh, I guess. Like, yeah, he was that He was the that new person in town. Yeah, where the streets are depraved in gold. Yeah. Yeah, that's Los Angeles. That's kind of beautiful, actually. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I can't. What can I add to that? Only question I have is about the plaques. Was Chucky oh. had brought up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we had Chucky Weiss on earlier, and he was wondering where his plaque is. Well, I don't know where his plaque is, but guess what, Morty? I found the plaque you were looking for with Manny's? Manny on you it. You found Manny's pack? Oh, oh that's yeah. fantastic. Oh, my God. And guess what, I, guess what I found it? Where? Yesterday. How do you like them apples? No way. What? Now, that is Radio 8-Ball Serendipity. <laughs> yeah. Now, let's talk about who Manny was. Manny was Manny, um, uh, uh, Manny Armando Versosa was an incredible musician who I got to meet. Uh, he hadn't even. He was still in his twenties, just about to turn thirty. I was turned on to him by uh, John Bryan, a bunch of friends that were hanging out, and they said one night, "Here's what happened. One night, I couldn't be at the Kibitz room. I think we were on tour, and I couldn't be at the Kibitz." And they said, "We have somebody that can replace you that night." Oh, we you! I bet you love that. I bet you love that. Yeah, but you know, for whatever, whatever I do, every Tuesday night, you guys can find us at the Kibitz room with the Fockers. But what? What I found, like, they said, oh, you can, there's this guy, he'll, he'll be good, he'll fill in for you. And he came, and I never met him, but I hated him, because they told me that he could, fill, he could fill in for me. I came back, and when I finally met him, I fell in love with him, as everyone did, and we were good friends for a few years, and he was part of our Fokker fold. From the Fockers, he had just gotten signed to do a record deal. John Bryan had done his demo. We were all in love. We played all kinds of shows everywhere. And unfortunately, he went on the road playing guitar with a band called The Silos, and their uh, their bus hit a patch of black ice in um, Portland, Maine, or or no, in uh, uh, Wyoming. And unfortunately, when the bus tipped over, he he was thrown from it and and subsequently passed away. And it was it was a heartbreak. It was probably one of the first heartbreaks. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah. That all of us felt there. I mean, now it's almost 25 years later. And such promise that he had. And, um, sorry. Yeah, I don't real. get like this. <laughs> um, and and uh, because of it, we put a plaque up 
I believe it was October 23rd, uh, 1993, I believe. And we put a plaque up and it was at the entrance to the kibitz room to remember him. Um, uh, and it was one of the first moments that we all had of one of us, yeah. you know, our touch of mortality. And it's, it's, it, it, and looking at it, I would kiss it like a mezuzah. Yeah. <laughs> Every night I went into the kibitz room before a gig on Tuesday nights as just a reminder of, you know, how precious it is, but also how precious music is. And on the plaque, if you come down, it says somewhere the music just got a whole lot better. And that's how we felt about that. So, huh. yes, that's uh, a lot of a lot of life, a lot of soul, a lot of uh, a lot of people who are who have been here and gone all all baked into our experiences in these places. And it's the places that we get to spend that to be together that uh, that, you know, just holds life. And that's what you do, can't uh, Mark at Cantor's. Tw- and Cantor's is twenty-four hours, such as life. Yeah, so yeah. is life. Yeah. So, uh, well, Mark, thank you so much for keeping Cantor's going. Thanks for being a part of this show. And thank you for the kibitz. Yeah, yeah. He made it happen. He fought against everyone there saying you don't need live music. It's a great bar, and he fought for us. And uh, thank you. And we really do appreciate that. Thank you for being the. Uh, well, the kibitz room is one of the last places in that you could really play without paying to play. Absolutely. And, 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 I mean, the whiskey in these places, they, they're meat markets, they make you sell $600, $700 worth of tickets. They, 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 and they stick you in a 35-minute set and get you out. It's so depressing. And, it, you know, Kimmitsum was great, basically a place for bands or musicians to come hang out and, and jam. And, and, and don't worry about it. There's no sound man, no lighting man, no... No one telling you what time you have to get off. You just come and jam and you have fun. I really appreciate, it. and thank you so much for all the years of, all the years of uh, letting us, letting us be loud there. And uh, my fa- you know, my favorite stories of the Kibitz Room back in 1991 was when you had 14, 15 musicians on stage, not unrehearsed, and you're playing covers from the 60s or 70s. And maybe two or three of those musicians actually know the song. And yeah. everyone else is just kind of following. And sometimes, every now and then, a song would fall apart just because it was so unrehearsed that it just, it just, it would collapse every now and then because we couldn't keep it going to the end because maybe they just didn't know the rest, how it went or whatever. But, um, you know, all, all the, the chords and whatever, you, you know, to keep the song going. So that was... You know that that's like that's not a mistake. That's 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 just having that's just winging it and, and hitting a brick wall because it caved in, and then you jump onto the next one and try again. So that you know, if it was completely reversed and and it went all through perfectly, it wouldn't be as fun. No, absolutely. That's our ethos: is start and don't let the balloon hit the floor, no matter what. Awesome. And thank you for Reckless Road. Uh, he has some pictures of us playing with Slash. You know, Mark uh, basically helped put Guns N' Roses, I mean, sort of put them uh, put them on the map because they relied a lot on the Cantors. They relied on Mark. And really, if you get his book, Reckless Road, it's great. It Besides it being a great oral history of Guns N' Roses, the photos are amazing. And you might even see some of us in there if you look closely and squint. <laughs> Yeah, I, I basically just gave them what they needed to get to the next gig. A little help, a little guitar strings, a little ad here in the damn magazine, and maybe some flyers and, uh, you know. Some corned beef. Just enough to, 
Yeah. yeah, some good some good food and also some car rides, you know, to get to rehearsal or to get to the gig or just make it just a little bit easier to get you there. And who played at your wedding? That would be Axel. And what did he play <laughs> on the piano before it had words? In November Rain, but it actually did have words. Uh, I heard November Rain when they first got together, but just never got recorded. But I always thought, when I heard it, I knew that it was a wedding song. <laughs> and so I thought he, sh- I thought he should play it uh, when we walked down the aisle, and he agreed. I even directed it on what parts of it he should play a different, like when we break the glass, you do a different part, and the whole thing. And funny thing is, two, this was 1989, so two years later they actually did record it, and uh, they put, they put, well, they were going to, I mean, they had planned recording it anyways on their next record, but it just took a little while. But when funny thing is, it they made a wedding video out of it, so. I wonder if they kind of picked it up from, did I influence that, or, or was that a wedding song in everyone's head? I don't know. It's true. And what is rain? Heavy weather. Rain is, yeah. <laughs> and this will be coming out in November, so. There you go. There you go. Uh, thanks a lot, Mark, and we'll see you at Canners. Thanks for listening to Radio 8 Ball on Feral Audio. If you'd like more information about the Pop Oracle, please check out our website at Radio8Ball.com, where you can find out about upcoming shows, about asking your own question on the podcast, and about our Radio 8 Ball app that allows you to engage the Pop Oracle directly in the form of every song ever performed on Radio 8 Ball. I hope today's musical divination brings and brought the sync to you wherever you are. Until next time... I'm your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. It's the Radio Wave Ball Show.